Hello! Welcome to Bus Tickets. My name is Nathan Clausen. Whether you're buying a bus ticket into war-torn Eastern Europe, or working a job, raising kids, and paying bills, each moment is an opportunity to live from our fullest self, to lean into our unique path to coming alive, an opportunity to offer our unique contribution to the world around us. In the words of Marianne Williamson, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. And as we let our own light shine, we consciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. This podcast is my commitment to stepping out of fear and living from my fullest self. So this podcast is for me but it is also an invitation for you to do the same and for us to do it together. I believe it's in community that we see the most transformation, buying bus tickets together. Let's jump into our next bus tickets moment. All right, welcome everyone to this latest episode of the Bus Tickets Podcast. I'm Nathan, and I am very excited to have my first return guest from episode five, my favorite uh, episode five guest we're, we're going to say is Alex Budak. And so Alex, welcome back to the Bus Tickets podcast. Oh, Nathan, thanks so much for having me. I'm just delighted to be back with you. Yeah. And so last time you and I were having a great conversation uh, and we were talking about the topic of change making and becoming a change maker. And you mentioned something in that episode that you had a change making effort underway. And that is the, going to be the, the focal point of this episode, which is the launch of your book, Becoming a Change Maker. So, congratulations on that milestone. Oh, thank you so much. Appreciate that. So, so as we get into this, I, I want to start actually with one key comment you made at the, the end of our last episode. And it really resonated with me in the context of that conversation. And it's going to be the, the segue and the start of this. So, at the last uh, statement you made on, on episode five, you said, change making is a team sport and it takes all of us to lead from where we are. And so that looks different for me, it looks different for you, and it looks different for each person listening to this episode. But in this context, this episode is about becoming a change maker and it's about your book uh, that's launching. And again, so congratulations on that. I'm very excited about that, especially in knowing some of the content of it. But let's get into some of that. So, so with that, uh, let's actually start with a bit of your background for those who maybe didn't hear our last conversation. Sure. Well, Nathan, the good news is that I haven't changed my mind since episode five. I still believe change making is a team sport, <laughs> and awesome. so it's it's funny, of course, because as an author, your name is on the front cover. But as I go into this new identity as an author, um, I very much consider this not about me. It's about the message, and it's about all of us coming together as change makers. Um, and that's really been the theme that's run throughout my career. So I've had some time as a social entrepreneur, uh, co-founding startsomegood.com, which sought to tear down the barriers, getting in the way of people launching new change efforts. Then I had some time living in Scandinavia, where I had the great privilege of running a social innovation incubator and sort of traveling throughout Scandinavia, trying to encourage more people to become change makers. And then I've now found myself at, at Berkeley Haas, the UC Berkeley Haas School of Business, uh, where I developed and teach this class called Becoming a Changemaker. And it's been honestly quite overwhelming to see the way that students have responded to the class. And so now it's quite exciting to say, well, I'm stepping into this new identity of an author where I'm really taking 
or hopefully taking the magic of this Berkeley class and making it accessible to uh, folks all around the world. Very exciting. Actually, that kind of leads into, you know, the answer to the first question that I had queued up, which was, when did the seeds of this book, Vision, start for you? You know, this this podcast is about bus ticket moments and learning to live and listen to your core and, you know, centered there, living from there, acting from there. So in this context, where did that start for you? And you we'll talk to some authors and they said, well, I, I knew I was going to write a book from a very young age. And I'd be lying if I said that was me. Uh, I never sought out to write a book, but there's something to the fact when people keep asking you, like, when are you going to write this book? That maybe there's something there. So I kept sort of paying attention to that and realized, okay, well, if I do write a book, this is probably the one. Um, talking about some serendipity, there was a wonderful moment. This is back in 2020 where there was um, so much pain and sorrow, but a wonderful bright spot. Uh, firstly, and perhaps most importantly, that I found out that my wife, Rebecca, was expecting our first. Wow. And then um, right around then, I also heard from and signed with a literary agent. And that was the genesis of the book project. And so I sort of realized, well, okay, uh, I'm probably never going to have more free time in my life than the next seven months before her little guy comes. So as economists might call it a forcing function. Uh, and so that was a good motivation to get the book, uh, book written. So that was a lot of 2020 went into writing the book. And then of course, 2021 is a lot of the editing and the tweaking. And then here we are uh, ready for the book to be coming out. Wow. So, I mean, I've, I've heard people that have worked on books literally for years and had them sitting on a shelf, but it seems like the content for this book had already been simmering, call it, you know, probably for quite a while. So how, how does this book relate to the course that you're teaching at Haas? So yeah, that, that, that's right. And so I think in some ways I was so prepared to write this book because I had done so much work to create this, this course. And so fueled by uh, a lot of iced coffee and a lot of kombucha uh, that helped me get through the writing and just get all the ideas out there. Um, but the idea behind the course really came from a place of empathy, from saying, what is a class I wish I could have taken when I was in my final year of university or my final year of graduate studies? And I wanted to go make some difference in the world. I wanted to lead positive change, but I didn't really know how. And there honestly are classes that teach this kind of stuff. You teach a lot of hard skills. You teach a lot of liberal arts and philosophy, and those things help to be sure. Yeah. Um, but there wasn't a university class that was teaching exactly the things that I wanted to know about, like, okay, how do you develop this vision for change? How do you bring people along with you? Um, how do you change the way you see the world and your role in it? Um, so there are some philosophical questions, and there's a lot of critical thinking, and there's collaboration, of course, but also it just kind of forces you to wrestle with some deeper questions about like, what's the impact you want to have? What's the change you want to lead? And trying to equip these students with the mindset, the leadership and the action orientation that will help them go lead that change that we all need. Hmm. So it, it sounds a lot like the, there's, there's theory and there's knowledge base, but really this book is rooted in when you when you have shared this knowledge and insight within that class context and then you watch students take that in and watch what happens to them when that resonates with them so this is really a like a real world case study output yeah that's right and so of course it's a class at, at berkeley so you would expect it to be grounded in research it's empirically driven and so of course everything that i teach is but i try to balance between the sort of theory and the practice and the application so just as an example, we'll spend one of our weeks of the class and this translated course into one of the chapters of the book. It's all about questioning the status quo. And it's all about learning how do we have the curiosity to try new things? Uh, and then how do we have the confidence and the courage to put ourselves out there and to fail, but still get back up? And so in 
the class, as in the book, we'll spend some time understanding some of the theory behind it. Um, we'll do some case studies to see some people who have failed and what failure taught them. But then there's no replacement for going out and actually failing yourself. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the lecture, I give two words on the screen and it's just go fail. So I tell students, you have 15 minutes, you have to go leave the classroom and you have to go fail. You have to go get purposely rejected and you can't come back until you've been rejected. No and kidding. Students, yeah, <laughs> these students, they start sweating, they start turning red. And my view at the front of the classroom is it's wonderful. I mean, I see these high achieving students starting to really get nervous. And of course, I spend a lot of time building psychological safety in the class. And so I'm not just throwing them out there. I'm making sure they know that they're safe, that they can take risks. Um, and I tell them, okay, you know, I'll be here at the front of the class. If you need a little coaching, a little boost, I'll, I'll be here to help you. But I tell them, I'm serious. I'm serious. You have 15 minutes and you have to go out of the classroom and two roles, nothing inappropriate. And you can't tell them that it's for a class. But besides that, ask for anything you want and see what happens. No way. And so students shuffle out nervously. But then when they come back in, the energy is just off the charts. It's so loud that one time I had a neighboring professor come by and actually tell us to keep the noise down because students are just so excited from having experienced failure. And so wow. I think that's the type of mindset I try to bring into the book as well, which is that you will learn what the research says about failure. You'll see some case studies, but then also I'll give you a chance to try some of the experiments, some of the exercises my students actually do so that you can put into practice some of what you're learning along the way. Wow. That go fail. I think I, I'd be tempted to just absolutely broadcast that. I mean, that 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 notion of discomfort, intentionally putting yourself in a place of discomfort is a is a propellant. It actually propels you forward. It's not a it's not a set of breaks. It's exactly the opposite. That's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And there's no way to learn it besides by doing it. And the thing is, it gets easier and easier and easier. It's something that all of us learn as we become change makers. You know, when you get your book proposal rejected, you know, then you just go, okay, well, let's go on to the next one. Or when you mm -hmm. try to launch a community center, you know, you get your setbacks along the way, and then eventually you get those yeses. And so the more you can get comfortable with that, and the earlier you can get comfortable with that it becomes a superpower, I think. Wow, that is really deep, Alex. <laughs> I think that's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, and, and it's such a, it's not a, it's not something you hear broadcasted from the rooftops in our society, you know, go fail. It's probably exactly the opposite. So that's actually quite insightful. No, that's right. And that goes back a bit to the theme we, we started with of a change making being a team sport. And so, you know, so often you'll read these books where they, well, sometimes you hear the same stories over and over, but often they're CEOs or their founders or their executives, and you kind of hear those stories. And so, um, I think we tend to overglorify the lone leader, the lone entrepreneur. And so in this book, um, I really made a point of telling a diverse cross-section of stories in the book. So you've got everywhere from a teenager who led positive change to someone in their 90s who's leading change, uh, people who had formal authority and formal power to someone who had quite literally no power. They were a summer intern and in how they led change in their company and everywhere in between. And I think that's so important to lift up the different stories of change makers. My hope is that Perhaps not every single story in the book will resonate with every single person, but that every single person reading it will see a bit of themselves in at least a couple of the stories, and that may help illuminate their own changemaker path. Mm -hmm. I think the the idea of putting thoughts, insights in a book, my hope would be when I listen to audiobooks, for example, and I fully intend to listen to this audiobook once it's we'll maybe speak to some of that journey of recording, but uh, I'm looking for you know three or four actionable insights that will actually impact my fabric that will actually cause me to think differently act differently and it will actually cause a different outcome that right there that go fail 
that's on my mind now. I'm actually going to put that in the, you know, in the show notes and, and, and frankly, take it from there into my own world and challenge others. I think that's a great little nugget to start with. So yeah, great. Oh, terrific. Yeah. We end each chapter with a section called see the change, be the change. So a chance to reflect on a couple of the key lessons from each chapter. And then I give you at least one challenge, something that I've given my students uh, or something that comes naturally off of what you've just read and a challenge for you to go put those ideas into practice. Uh, I love it. And so we obviously the genesis of this was within a, you know, four walls of a classroom or a digital classroom, however, COVID, you know, dictated that narrative for you. The, the application then of, like you said, someone reads a chapter, is there a community that you're building around this so that people can come back into a virtual room after they go out and, you know, fail in 15 minutes? Is there an equivalent of that in your new world, you know, book world versus classroom world? Yeah, that's what I'm hoping to build. So at changemakerbook.com to build a bit of community there to help people kind of connect with others who are, who are like-minded and we'll see how it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's certainly my hope because changemaking is a team sport. And I think there's something really powerful about knowing that someone will be reading this book in California and in Canada and in Portugal and in um, Uganda and that we're all united by this desire to be change makers. And I think that's pretty exciting. So I'll see how we can best uplift that community. Probably some of you reading the book will end up being the ones that help to cultivate that community with me, which is wonderful. Um, but yeah, let's find a way to make sure that you stay connected and you have people cheering you on as you go about leading change. What struck me as you were just talking about, you know, the, the book and the impact globally, you mentioned that part of the, the early lever, you know, situational lever was the birth of your first child. When you think about and reflect on like the, the, the book will now be out there in, into the ether, into the world. When your own children grow up, you know, what's your thought on like uh, on change making as a legacy? Mm. Well, first of all, I wonder what my son will think when he's, you know, my age about my jokes about Bitcoin. Will that still be relevant or will that feel really outdated? I don't know what he'll think of that. Uh, but I think there's something really wonderful about a book, which is so much more permanent than, you know, I do most of my writing online um, and do other things that are a bit more ephemeral. And so the idea that this book will sort of capture this moment in, in time, I think is is powerful. And so I hope that it continues to be something that people look back on. I know as my, for myself, both listening to audiobooks as well as reading books, that I can sometimes pinpoint the exact moment in my life or the exact location I was where I was reading something or listening to something. And there's this really powerful connection that you make with, with a book when you sit down and you read 300 pages that someone else has written. Uh, and so it's a great privilege, honestly, to be able to make that uh, connection with, with folks of all kinds that may find a bit of themselves, whether that's aspirationally or in terms of practically uh, in the words of uh, the book. Oh, that's great. And it makes you wonder too, when your children get to, you know, any, the adult age, what, what even mediums will they even be consuming inside yeah. <laughs> and these types of knowledge bits on. But I think what's interesting there for me is it probably doesn't matter what generation it is that reads the book or takes in that insight on whatever platform the reality is it's resonant within us as humans that we each have a unique calling, a purpose for being here, whatever that looks like, or however we come into that, that insight, you know, for me back in my early twenties, it was buying that, you know, bus ticket into Kosovo and helping serve a family who I didn't know that was that chapter. And now this is this chapter where you and I are having a conversation, you know, with me stepping out to start a podcast and you stepping out and responding to, an academic leader who said, well, what do you want to teach? And you literally stepped out and said, not the safe thing, but the thing that was on your heart, which was, I want to teach change making. And then you were provided an opportunity because you stepped into that moment. And now you're stepping into this moment. And it's not necessarily a single step. It's many steps, many words, many hours, many iced coffees and Mm -hmm. glasses of kombucha. 
Uh, but good for you, Alex. I am so excited to see, I mean, selfishly, I'm so excited to see this book come out because even the glimpses I got from your course and, and reading your work online, I think it's great that you are now offering this insight beyond the four walls of your classroom. So thank you for that. Oh, thank you. It's a, a privilege to get to, to put those words out there. And I just can't wait to see how people respond to it. Um, again, going back to the theme of the day of change making being a team sport, you know, I come from a place of humility, which is that I can't possibly know exactly what the world needs right now. But I'm absolutely sure that the world is calling out for more of us to become change makers. And so I hope that this book can rise to the challenge. And I hope that it's the catalyst for so many people, your listeners and beyond, that see a bit of themselves in the pages and give themselves permission to go become change makers because our communities, our companies, and, and our world, we certainly need you. Yeah. I'm reminded of there's a, a poem that I quote in the intro of each of these podcast episodes. And it really speaks about when we step into our own place, when we stand tall in our own personal footing and we lead from there, we literally, we literally give permission to others to do the same thing. And I think that's a really powerful statement. So you are giving other people permission, including myself, to go fail, to go try and to build those muscles as much as we would do, you know, do in a fitness gym. So Alex, I really appreciate you coming back on and sharing a bit more of a more recent update on the book. Um, where can people find the book? I'll be putting information in the notes here, but give us a bit of a, a cursory here on that as well. Oh, fantastic. The best place to go is changemakerbook.com, which has links to all the places, all your favorite stores uh, to buy them. And then really encourage you also, I love hearing from people as they're whatever stage they are in their change maker journey. So LinkedIn is probably the best place to connect with me. We can add that link, but it's LinkedIn. And my name is Alex Budak, B-U-D-A-K. And we'd love to hear from you there. Very good. Okay. I'll be sure to include those uh, comments and those sources in the, the show notes, but thank, thank you, Alex, again, for a great conversation. Again, probably not our last conversation, uh, but it is our next conversation and good luck on your launch. Thanks, Nathan. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening today. I hope today's episode has encouraged you to step out in your own bus ticket journey of living from your fullest self and watching what happens. If you haven't already or have and want to again, you can share your power with the Bus Tickets podcast and its mission to encourage and empower others, whether through the podcast platform you listen to or through LinkedIn or Facebook where I post episodes or by good old word of mouth. That works too. And if you're listening through Apple Podcasts, please take a minute or two to leave me a rating and a comment. It just takes a few seconds to share with others or leave a rating, but both will go a long way to help get this message out. So thank you. Together doing small acts, we can have a massive impact on the world we engage each day. So thank you again for listening today.